welcome to Let's Talk Diabetes, a podcast from Diabetes UK in Northern Ireland. Throughout this series, we'll be chatting everything diabetes with healthcare professionals, people from the Diabetes UK team and people living with diabetes in Northern Ireland. Today, we're going to be continuing our conversation about what it's like when you're newly diagnosed with diabetes. We'll continue to look at what it's like for both those living with type 1 and type 2 and meet some more of the people that you may start to see as part of your diabetes care. We'll ask our guests what their role is in your diabetes journey and ask them at the end to give you some advice to help you, particularly when you're in that newly diagnosed stage. I'm your host, Susie Hull, Healthcare Engagement Manager at Diabetes UK Northern Ireland, and we will be joined by Sarah Karsh, who is an independent diabetes nurse consultant working Northern Ireland wide, and Leslie Hamilton, who's a diabetes dietitian based in the Western Trust and the Altnagalvin Hospital. You're both very welcome today, and I'm going to maybe kick off by asking you to do a bit more of an introduction about yourselves, your role in diabetes care, and maybe why you got there, how you got to work in diabetes. Okay, well, let's go ahead first of all then. As you said, my name is Sarah Carse. I have been a diabetes specialist nurse for quite a long time. I first became interested in diabetes, believe it or not, when I was a student nurse. I couldn't really quite understand exactly how diabetes affected the body. So I researched it and researched it and thinking I was going to get it in my finals and then it didn't come up on my finals. <laughs> but my knowledge was good then. Your interest um, was piqued at that point? It definitely was. And then after I left general nursing, I did midwifery. And then um, I went back into primary care and I was asked, would I be interested in taking on diabetes within a GP practice? So I said yes, only if I went on a course. So I went on one of the first diabetes nursing courses ran in Northern Ireland in the 1990s. So that really then sparked my whole interest. Um, and I tried for years to get a job as a diabetes nurse specialist. In those days, there wasn't that many. But I got one and I've done my degree and all the rest of it. And I just am so passionate about diabetes. And I've worked mainly in the Northern Trust and both across primary and secondary care. And then I retired from the health service and I became a diabetes nurse advisor with Diabetes UK after that. And now I am retired again. Uh, well, semi-retired, semi-retired, I think. Semi-retired. And I am um, now doing little bits and pieces for Diabetes UK. That's why I'm here today. Sounds very much like there's a lot of experience there, but also we've already pointed out peaked interest at a very early age. And I think we're finding that with most diabetes specialists, yep. there's something that clicks very early on in a career yes. and just it intrigues you for the rest of your career. That was quite right, because diabetes affects every part of your body. Um, it's not like some other diseases, but it affects every part of your body. And I just find that fascinating and want to know why I wanted to know why that happened. Yeah. Brilliant. And Leslie, what about yourself? Hi, thanks Susie. Yes, Sarah and me have been around for, for a wee while now. Um, so yeah, I'm a dairy girl by heart. So I have worked in Alton Galvin, but my main interest in diabetes maybe started whenever I worked in the Northern Trust as well in Causeway. Um, worked with a great team there. And when you first qualify as a dietitian, you usually are covering quite a wide range of things. So diabetes, as Sarah said, is, is always there because it, it's, it's very much part of the service. But I got the chance then to work solely as in the diabetes team whenever I rejoined the Western Trust and came back to the team that was being set up then for the community diabetes support. So worked with GP practices and with the hospital teams. 
back in in Galvin and I, I work across the Western Trust now as a diabetes dietitian. So yeah, like Sarah, my interest in diabetes started quite early on, sort of within the first few years after I qualified. And really it has just developed from there. And I'm involved in quite a few wee bits of diabetes with the Diabetes Network, Diabetes UK, with Primary Care Diabetes Society. So sort of crop up in a few different places. Uh, I think people don't really know what I am anymore. But It um, seems to hook you in. It does. does. It definitely does. Yep. And then you work with a great bunch of people as well. That's it. That's it. Um, so tell me then a wee bit, you both have roles that are quite significant in somebody's diabetes care. What can somebody expect, either on an ongoing basis or just particularly in that newly diagnosed point, what can somebody expect to happen or to see from you in those first appointments? Well, um, when you're first diagnosed, um, you probably go to your GP because you've got some signs and symptoms of diabetes. And sometimes uh, the GP will ask would have asked the diabetes nurse specialist in the area possibly to have a chat with you. And then I would maybe then follow on, people review or people, um, if they, if I felt they needed reviewed, if their blood sugars were very badly controlled or they needed a little bit more education, I would continue to see them. And are you talking about both type 1 and type oh, 2? Oh, sorry, yes, both type 1 yep. and type 2, yes. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, having a diagnosis of, of any form of diabetes is just so scary and people really don't know a lot. And I have to say the first thing that most of them will ask, what can I eat and what can't <laughs> I eat? Yep. And that's where Leslie comes in and her role. Um, we would work very much with the dietitians. We would make sure that they have been referred to the dietitian, that they're seen by the dietitian. And we would hopefully back up everything that the dietitian tells the person and they would back up what we say as well. Yeah. We because it's the same advice. It is and we work very closely together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I suppose then just to ask is there differences between what will happen for type 1 and type 2 at that point? Yes, uh, type 1s will probably be put on insulin um, immediately and that's a whole other education and um, I would be involved in teaching them how to use the insulin pens how to test their blood sugars and record it and then Leslie would have her role as well and I would more likely to follow up say uh, as often as I felt that the person needed following up for type 1 especially because it's it's really a, it's a whole change. Type 2s again um, we don't encourage everybody in type 2 diabetes to record their blood sugars only if we feel that it's necessary and probably for both at that stage is about working about what that person needs at that time. Because it will be very different. Mm-hmm. Type 1s will automatically need the insulin in the introduction. Type 2s won't necessarily need that and there'll be more of a process. So, and we heard a little bit of that from Paul and Heather initially in our last episode where there is quite a different, there's a wee bit of time for type 2 to figure out mm, some yes. of that. Whereas yes. insulin needs automatically introduced with type 1. Exactly. And that is an awful shock for people that think uh, I've got to be on these injections for the rest of my days and quite a few uh, patients will express that. Some people can deal with it and other people can't deal with it. So that's very much, we're, you know, part of a team and we would 
work together and try and uh, well, and with other members of the team to try and make this transition as comfortable as possible. And I the suppose program. to point out as part of this podcast series, we will also be talking about the emotional well-being side of it at later points yeah. mm-hmm. because it is overwhelming. It it's is challenging, and dealing with that diagnosis and the changes that come with it can be significant. Absolutely, so and this has to fit into their lifestyle. Yeah, whether they're, you know, they're on shift work or nine to five, or they're a mum with a, a family that they have to get out for school in mm-hmm. the morning. So it's really going round in circles and trying to find how we can help that transition be as stress free as possible. I suppose you used a word there. It's a lifestyle. It, is. it, is. it has to fit in with the rest of your life and that's about learning and managing yeah. how you do that in part of everybody's life will be different and how you do that in yours will be different. Absolutely. And that's for you guys working with people. That's an important element to recognise when that person's coming into you as well. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes, you know, you maybe only talk about diabetes for five minutes. Yeah. When you see somebody, it's all the other day-to-day things that you maybe end up talking about and trying to help that person integrate diabetes into their daily life. Because diabetes isn't the only thing in life. Yeah, it isn't. Mm-hmm. It definitely isn't. And I think everybody's diabetes is different. Everybody's diabetes story is different. So for me as a dietitian sometimes varies where we would actually meet you for type 1 diabetes for example sometimes the the diagnosis being quite dramatic and you know the person might be admitted to hospital Um, sometimes they're not actually admitted to hospital now just with the way scenarios are but it might be a very intense series of follow-ups they're generally coming to a hospital setting or coming to see the specialist team Whereas maybe someone who's been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes may not have any symptoms at all and it can be such a shock. And we heard that from Heather that you can, yeah. it can be a shock because you may not have gone in for a test for diabetes. Okay. Yeah. It may be something yeah. else that it's discovered because type 2 you yeah. can live with for yeah. quite a while before yeah, diagnosis. Maybe a routine check for something else that we often joke about the, the MOT that you might go to for, yeah. to your GP. All of a sudden you're coming away with this diagnosis of of something that you mm-hmm. had no symptoms of and weren't expecting. So that does take a bit of adjustment. And I suppose that's where I see the role as, as a dietitian as being part of that early team. Yep. Um, it may be your GP and your practice nurse or your GP pharmacist. We're going to hear yep. from, from Niall later on as well. There's lots of people involved in the team and yep. it's using all those people within the team to gather the information that's important for you so that you can learn to manage yeah. and, and help to, to cope with the diabetes. So, so everybody's different. It's not going to be the same for everybody. And that's part of the process is figuring out yeah. that yes. person and that situation. I suppose to come back then, Sarah, you mentioned the one of the biggest questions that people ask or people come away from those appointments. And it's maybe then a question more for Leslie at this point is, what can I eat? What can I not eat? And how do you answer that? Well... I just ask them really to give me an idea of what they eat on a daily basis. And this is before they actually get, you know, get to see if it's a type two. Mm. They may have to wait a little bit to to get seen by a dietitian. So I just try and give basic healthy eating advice and try getting them to even just to change one thing for me. And that interim would, would be good, you know, cut down on their fats, cut down on their sugars. And then hopefully they may see a little bit of an improvement and just 
try and give them the basic advice that we should actually all be eating. And I'm going to throw in there a bit of diabetes myth busting nearly as well because some of those things that you said, it's cut down on fats, it's cut down on sugar. It's not get rid of it. Absolutely. You know, and that is an assumption with diabetes is that you're eating too much sugar. That's what's caused it. And you're not allowed to ever eat sugar again. Yes, that is right. And that's not right. Yeah, Yeah, that's not right. And and that's the same for type 1 and type 2. It's not that it can be controlled by diet completely. There may be other things that that have to be introduced, just depending on what way your body is is working. Type 1 needs insulin to be able to, to manage the glucose levels. But I think with the awareness now, there are so many people that are aware of health eating. We've seen all the messages in the, on the TV programmes and in the newspapers and so on. But there's a lot of misconceptions there as well. It can be very difficult to find that path through it and, and figure out how to interpret all that information so that it, it's relevant to you. So, yes, there are very early things that we would pick up on if there's a, a very high sugar intake yes like moving to things like diet drinks instead of full sugar drinks you know being careful with sort of the the very sweet foods initially to try and just get that quick reduction in, in the glucose levels but then very much we're starting to as Sarah said having that conversation about what's your eating pattern like on a day-to-day basis because I suppose I've met a lot of people who have come and have already said, I've, I've cut out mm-hmm. everything, I've cut mm-hmm. out everything. That may not be possible to do in the longer term. It might be okay for a week or two or for a month or two, right. but it's this is something that you we have to learn to live with. Yep. Back to that so lifestyle thing. Back yes. to that lifestyle and that long-term process. Type 2 remission is, is a big topic at the minute as well, as to you, you know what diet changes maybe would we read about in the papers that can help to get type 2 diabetes into remission but that might vary as well depending on what what stage you are on the, the diabetes path as I call it yeah. if, if you're well down that path it might be a wee bit more challenging to get to remission and there may be more significant diet changes to make at the initial yeah. point of yes. that but it then reverts to a lifestyle change and a li- lifestyle support as yeah. such yeah. Because um, I don't know if Leslie will agree with me, but, you know, whenever you sit down and take a note of what people actually eat, you say, oh, well, you know, there's a lot of added sugar to that. I don't know. I didn't know that because it doesn't taste sweet, you know, and it's little things like that pointing out, you know, it's only minor changes at the start until they yeah. get more knowledge and, you know, they learn themselves what they what makes their sugars high and what doesn't. So... It's just the, the little things. And yeah. Cutting out sugar and tea and coffee is a big... Or cutting down. Cutting down. Well, absolutely, cut down. I mean, I used to take two sugars in my coffee. And I remember seeing an advert in a magazine of a lady sitting on top of all this mountain of bags of Tate and Lyle sugar. And I thought, oh, Lord, <laughs> is that what I have in a year? So that was me. Yeah. Cut it out completely. It's like that comparison of the full fat... Soda drinks will not mention any yes, names. Yes. Full fat sodas yeah. versus diet ones, but understand that actually in spoonfuls of sugar, yes. maybe how oh, much yeah. that Absolutely. is. Absolutely. And if you can make that change, yes. that it's much better, maybe. Yeah. And oh, I yeah. suppose maybe in a question to ask there about the artificial sweeteners involved, is that then okay to change those? In? And I know it's maybe a slightly different. Yeah, and that's that's where we would start to, you know, explore sort of all of those diet issues. And at your dietitian appointment, that's something that will start to look at. 
in more detail we would look at sort of more closely. Um, but it, it's also given the, the person time to have that adjustment and to have a chat about what, what changes have you made already? Because some people will automatically start to make changes. But yeah. it's, it's, as I said before, it's about those changes and being able to, to stick with them rather than just something. Yeah. Um, and as you mentioned at the start, Susie, a, a diagnosis of diabetes for, for a lot of people can be overwhelming. Then whenever you maybe ask Dr. Google or you try to figure out <laughs> some more information, you're even more overwhelmed because there's so much information yeah. out there. So, you know, sites like Diabetes UK or just using one site rather than trying to, to look Read at every too many sites. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's where at your appointment with the dietitian then we would start to look more closely at some of those different food groups. Carbohydrates are the, the big thing that we would look at. Sarah's mentioned sort of the fats as well. But carbohydrates is sort of a big focus initially, both for type 1 and type 2 increasing the awareness of where we get carbohydrate from because it's the foods that give us carbohydrate are the foods that put up our glucose level. Yep. Um, but some put up our glucose level more slowly than others. Some put it up very quickly. So it's so, almost understanding those processes around what happens when you eat something. It's not about... So type 1 diabetes, we're, we're starting that journey of learning how much insulin is, is going to be needed for different amounts of carbohydrate and that can go down the line of carbohydrate counting and adjusting your your insulin doses for that so that gets away from the you can't have that it's more about adjusting the the diabetes pattern to fit in with you Mm -hmm. but type 2 diabetes we still have a focus on carbohydrate but maybe it's a slightly different focus it's about because there's not the same need for carb counting not the same need for carb counting but that awareness of where you're getting your carbohydrates from, whether it's your bread or your cereals, your potatoes. We love our spuds in Northern Ireland. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, our bread. Our, our bread as well. Um, our chip sandwich. <laughs> Adding both now, together. Girls, you're making me hungry. <laughs> but, um, you know, natural sugars as well and the fruit and the milk. So there's, there's a whole range. It's not just the sweet things. Yeah. But it's how we divide those out over the day and have a smaller portion of those at each time so that the body and the pancreas isn't overwhelmed with all this glucose so that that's a big message that i personally try to get across and and diabetes and for type 2 is just Mm -hmm. divide and conquer those carbohydrates into smaller chunks i think i get a massive sense from this conversation that i think it's very much about the individual that sits in front of you. Absolutely. Very much so. Their life and that you speak to them about what fits for them. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. and there's, not, there's not one diet fits all either. It has to be right. for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no point in telling me to eat spuds if I don't like them. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Or not. Yes, because um, Northern Ireland people don't really like a lot of rice and pasta. Well, yeah, I probably yeah. used the wrong example because <laughs> give me a potato any day. Yeah. And I'll so, have it. You know, uh, it's things like that. And I mean, look, we're bombarded every day with adverts for fast food. And if you are on a low income and you have three or four kids to feed and there's an offer going on, you're going to take that offer. Yeah. You know, and against and especially at the moment with the price of food at the moment, it is, you know, it's hard for people. Does and it's about understanding that, and when you're sitting in front of that person, then absolutely, absolutely. 
folks just to move us on because I know it's a big part of when you're newly diagnosed and you'll start to hear about there are Leslie you talked about your education coming from Dr Google or maybe more reputable to come to Diabetes UK and the information there but there are also structured diabetes education programs and I maybe just want to touch a little bit on them not too much step through again overwhelm people but can you both tell me a little bit about those both type 1 and type 2 I'm not even going to attempt to say the acronym. <laughs> I used to do that. There, there are different recommended programs. So in Northern Ireland, um, for type one diabetes, the Daphne program. Yep. So that stands for Dose Adjustment for Normal Eating. Yep. It's not spelled Daphne like as in Scooby Doo Daphne. Um, <laughs> and that introduces the idea of adjusting your insulin dose for your carbohydrate intake for your exercise and so on. So that that is a very specific programme for type 1 diabetes. And in Northern Ireland, we have, it's called the CHOICE programme, which stands for the CHO is the carbohydrate bit Mm -hmm. and the ICE is the insulin counting education. So that is a similar programme, but it's aimed at children up to age 19 and their families. So it has a different focus providing the education for the family. So for type 1 diabetes, that's recommended as as soon as possible after diagnosis. But sometimes there's that, what's called the honeymoon phase of type 1, that maybe that type of education would be more applicable maybe six months or even a year after diagnosis. And you're maybe just more ready to hear it at that point. Because there's there's lots going on. You're getting adjusting to a lot of things. It's quite an intense course. It it is. Not only teaches you about carbohydrates, but it teaches you the correct way to give insulin, the correct way to work out what units will affect each millimole of blood glucose so it's it is quite does does intense but all, all like trust potentially a lot of maths in that just there is a lot of maths there is <laughs> but you know I, I used to to teach the Daphne and but on the Monday morning these people used to come and they used to all sit round and look at each other and say what am I doing here what am I doing here and then once we start and you know it's a timetabled schedule over the five days but by Wednesday you can see everybody suddenly, oh, I've been doing this all wrong. And even though they have been educated by Mm -hmm. the team. And they are managing their diabetes. They are managing, but this is teaching how they can better manage it and what to do if they're sick, um, who to contact, what to do with their insulin if they're sick. And it's it's a whole lifestyle. And packaged up in a way that it all... Fits, comes fits together yeah yeah you know and, and there's very often sorry sarah that sort of like the, the groups support supporting. each other absolutely yeah. so which is the, a big factor this whole diabetes. idea of of learning from other people yeah is, is a huge factor yeah so and support so, yeah support so that, and that's type one diabetes and, and just to mention briefly for type two in northern ireland we have the desmond program so both of those daphne and desmond there are recommended sessions and you know all trusts will be delivering the, the sessions with their nurses and dietitians as the educator team but since COVID there has been online or virtual sessions of, of these yep. as well as the actual program itself which covers sort of the medication and sort of the health checks that are involved. There's also the importance of the refresher sessions it's not that everybody will want to do the full courses 
but maybe there will be snippets within those those refresher that sessions to come back to. that yes. either want to come back to or just are relevant for you at that time. Yeah. So. And I suppose then just to pick up, when would you expect to do, I think you mentioned already for the Daphne, but when would you expect to be doing Desmond for those with type 2? Desmond, and I could see you looking because I told you what Daphne was, but I didn't tell you what Desmond was. So <laughs> um, Desmond, the letters do mean something. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, I forgot that do. I didn't ask her about that. Diabetes education for self-management for ongoing and newly diagnosed. Well done, Leslie, that's because that's where our why friend I didn't attempt. Comes from. <laughs> well remembered. I, I call him Desi, just a like affectionate that. terms. Yeah. Uh-huh. But um, as really, it's whenever you are ready. It's, it's very often offered at diagnosis, but it may be... Maybe a few years down the line, maybe a few GP has said, oh, maybe we need to add in an extra tablet or the, the levels have gone up a wee bit. That might be a time that's more mm-hmm. appropriate for you that you're wanting to want yeah. to find out a wee bit more about this diabetes. So although, yes, it's often mentioned at diagnosis, it's relevant at any stage of, of type 2 diabetes. But the refreshers are, are my big soapbox, I think, having some sort of refresher for your diabetes whenever you need yeah. it. Is, yeah. is something that's, yeah. that's vitally important. Then just ask as well how you access both of those, just to clarify access to both. Is it GP that you go through as a diabetes team or can you self-refer? Your, your GP can refer, so in our area that referral will come through from the, from the GP. But for the, the Desmond programme, yes, self-referral can be pos- mm-hmm. possible. So your local team will be able to pass on your, your details or provide the information as to who, who to contact, who organises the Desmond courses or the refresher courses. Yep. Daphne probably is more from your hospital team. Maybe it might be your diabetes specialist nurse or your, your diabetes dietitian or your consultant that sort of broaches that option of, of Daphne just a lot of it is maybe trying to adjust right your insulin a wee bit more. Type 1 almost, there's there's a bit of a pathway there. Maybe, you know, we hear a lot more now about insulin pumps and continual glucose monitors. Mm-hmm. I think, Sarah, you're talking about that later on. Mm-hmm. But being able to adjust your insulin and have that awareness of what's involved with how to adjust your insulin is very much part of that, yeah. making sense and being able to use an insulin pump. So, so that's come. maybe where Daphne... And the education yeah. programme gets they gets pushed bigger. more to yes. the, the forefront there. And just then will depend when on that journey yes, you're coming you across that. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Folks, thank you very much for today. I am going to wrap up the session by asking you both from our conversation or from in general working in diabetes care, can you give us one top piece of advice or a tip for people living with diabetes, particularly those maybe in that newly diagnosed point? Just to ask lots of questions and no question is silly. And just write it on a piece of paper before you come to, because we all go to a doctor's appointment and we come out and we go, oh, I, I, forgot. Forgot, I forgot to mention this or I forgot to mention that. So come, I have no problem with somebody coming in with a list quite long. Um, we might not get through the whole list, but let's start at the main things that are worrying the person with diabetes. So... Come with what you would like out of the appointment um, would be mine. And do not miss any appointments because they're very important. Um, You may think, oh, my diabetes is, I don't feel as if it's out of control or anything, but it's still important to come and get everything checked. And obviously go to your annual review every year, your sort of 
diabetes MOT. That is so important, whether it's in your GP practice with the GP or the practice nurse or at the hospital. I don't, Leslie, have you got something else to say? No, that's all very important because you're going to be talking about numbers shortly in the next Mm. session, I think. But yes, numbers are important, but they're important because they give us an idea of what's happening with the diabetes and if things need to change. But my first message probably for someone either type 1 or type 2 is just try not to panic. It can be a big lifestyle change, especially... Type one. We're not we're not dismissing type two, but sometimes the the burden of having to take medication as well is very new to someone with type two diabetes. But that would be my try to give reassurance and try not to panic because this diabetes can be managed and we can and it's help a process to manage of it. it. Just is. take take your time, learn at the pace that suits you rather than trying to take everything on board. And to think about sort of that long term, what changes you're going to be able to stick with. That fit with your And life. talk to your team. Don't be, as Sarah said, write things down and write a list. And We have spoken talk before to in team. this podcast about this is a relationship that is starting. Yes. When you're diagnosed, yeah. you, the team that is behind yes. you are there for your support. Writing down those questions is a perfect way of getting what you want out of that appointment, uh-huh. what you need out of that appointment. Exactly. It's not yeah. what the health professional wants. Yeah. Yes, we have our own agenda that we want to get a person, you know, and that will feeling guide well. an appointment. It's what that person wants, and as Leslie said earlier, every person with diabetes is totally different. I think just you know, services have changed. Healthcare professionals we're, we're dealing with different types of clinics. We have virtual clinics now. We email queries, telephone appointments, and that that's a big change. If you've had diabetes for a while, it can be a, a, a difference to coming along and waiting to see your way. consultant or waiting to see your, your nurse. But it's making use of all those different options that are that are there to you within your team. If you can send a wee email just to query what's important to you, that's what we're trying to be. We want to be there for. Brilliant. Folks, again, thank you very much for coming and chatting to us today. It has been absolutely brilliant. Um, and thank you. Hopefully you'll join us again sometime. Yep, thank you very much. Thanks for joining us on Let's Talk Diabetes. Remember to rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you want to hear more from Diabetes UK Northern Ireland, follow us on social media at Diabetes UK NI.